Wolfpack, what is going on? To keep with the fire interviews, we had to bring our guy Trevor Sikama back. We had a great pre-draft interview last week where he gave us all his top prospects. And now that we know their homes, he's coming back again to break down the fits, tell us how the coach he thinks is going to use these guys, who he thinks is going to make the biggest day one impacts for 2019 drafts in fantasy football. This interview was fantastic from Kyler Murray to the potential feature back and Josh Jacobs especially with Crowell tearing that Achilles today, to David Montgomery. Is he going to be a three-down horse? Miles Sanders. Daryl Henderson, what does that mean for Todd Gurley? Is this just an insurance policy or something more? Plus his sleeper running back. And then Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalf. Perfect landing spots, according to Sycamore. Find out why. And so much more. McCole Hardman. I mean, all the names that you want to know, what they're going to do in 2019, we break them down with his expertise from the Draft Network. His Twitter follow is at Tampa Bay Trey. So listen in. If you like what you hear, make sure you give him a follow. Make sure you interact and ask him he loves fantasy too so he loves to break them down from that perspective aka he's the perfect guy for a post-draft breakdown and i thought this interview was as good as they get so hopefully you enjoy as much as i did let me know your thoughts three tight ends including haydner coon is the fullback with the first and goal coon gets the All right, Wolfpack, we are back for the third time in two weeks. We got our guy, Trevor Sycama from the Draft Network, also covers the Bucks over at the Pewter Report. You can find him at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter. Loves interacting with everybody. He's a great follow if you don't follow him already. Fantastic stuff for rookies, for the Bucks, and L football in between. Trevor, thanks so much for coming back on. How are you, man? Of course, man. Always enjoy talking with you, so it's my pleasure here. Absolutely. We'll get right into the uh, the fantasy stuff because the draft is over. Tons of exciting stuff has happened. Uh, you gave us a fantastic preview of everybody, but now that we actually know all the landing spots, the fits, the coaching scheme they're going to be in, uh, it's even that much more valuable to hear your takes on what these guys will be bringing to their offenses and what type of impact you see them having in year one. So let's go right sure. in. Start at the top with number one overall pick, and that's Kyler Murray. Going to the Cardinals, he's going to be engineering Cliff Kingsbury's air raid offense. What do you see about this? I mean, they go out and also add three wide receivers in Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson. So what do you think Murray's going to be doing in Arizona? What are your expectations for year one? Yeah, I was actually thinking about the fantasy uh, point when right when they drafted Kyler Murray because I was thinking about, oh, man, am I going to be drafting Kyler Murray in fantasy? Um, he actually, I mean, you got to think it's a pretty good play, right? right? I mean, they traded Josh Rosen. There is no other quarterback on the roster who is going to really challenge Murray at all. And I think that the, the thing that makes him really alluring is that you know he's going to do a lot of damage with his legs, mm -hmm. right? And so anytime you get that benefit, you know, people who do fantasy see that with Cam Newton, of course, they saw with Colin Kaepernick, you know, guys like that who can really win with their legs, more importantly, scoring touchdowns with their legs. That's a really big point to to why Kyler, I think, would be a really alluring fantasy pick because I think you're right. It's certainly the Cliff Kingsbury offense, in theory, you're going to be like, oh, they're going to put up a lot of points. 
the biggest X factor there is not even going to be Kyler Murray. I think it's going to be that offensive line, right? Mm -hmm. But to that point, the offensive line isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. He's going to have to go off script a bunch, and that includes him running around with his legs, getting some extra yards, scoring some touchdowns with his legs too. And so I think Kyler Murray becomes a pretty dang strong uh, fantasy play as long as you know that, that guy's going to stay healthy. I think he'll give you a lot of points. Absolutely. The leg points will be huge. You brought the point up I was going to make with that line. He's going to be scrambling for his <laughs> life quite a bit uh, between that patchwork line. And I, I think he's the ideal kind of QB, too. If you get like a Philly Rivers, somebody you know you're getting 4530 from, give me that upside mm-hmm. of Kyler Murray. Because I do think this offense, we had a great interview uh, with a, a WSU coach who, who's been coaching the Air Raid for years now. Uh, and he, he loves Murray. He thinks he's going to you know be able to sling it all over the place in this offense. He played under Kingsbury, this guy Drew Holling said we had on, and he was all about this fit, all about the weapons they added. And speaking of those weapons, you know, you have Larry Fitz and Christian Kirk already there, but then they add Andy Isabella, Keem Butler, Keyshawn mm-hmm. Johnson. So how do you see that shaking out? Do you, do you have a favorite of that bunch? I mean, my favorite would be Keem Butler. He was my wide receiver, too, going into the draft. And so, you know, if the Ravens had picked Keem Butler at number 22 or wherever they were drafting, like, that would have been a good pick for me. You know, if the Steelers would have picked Hakeem Butler at number 20, if they would have stayed at 20, that would have been a good pick for yeah. me. But I thought it was crazy that this guy lasted all the way to the first pick of day three. I've got to think that his impact on that Cardinals receiving room especially is going to kind of be felt right away. And then Isabella is interesting because they do have Christian Kirk. And, you know, if you're doing really early fantasy drafts, you're going to be going back and forth wondering how much each of those guys is going to take away from one another because they are more speedsters, separation guys. They're going to play in the slot. And so in theory, you could convince yourself, hey, they're going to get a lot of a workload. They're going to get a lot of targets because Murray's going to be trying to get that ball out of his hand pretty quick, even in the air raid offense. But you know, if you have the time, I'd wait for it to see how it plays mm-hmm. out in training camp. I think you'll get a little bit better of a look to see hey, which wide receiver's playing where, which one's becoming his go-to thing. Because the thing is, like, Kirk can play on the outside, too. Like, Kirk can be a speed guy on the outside. I don't know if that's going to be Isabella, but I also don't know if they're going to want Kirk to do that long-term. So he might just be a rotational slot guy along with Isabella, which you never really want from a fantasy perspective. You want those guys who are going to take a, right. a large carry load, a large target load, something like that. And so there's high potential, I think, with both of those two receivers. But um, Butler, I think, is a pretty safe bet for a guy that's going to have a pretty good impact year one. Isabel is the one where it's like, he could, I could see it, but you got to kind of wait a little bit to see. Absolutely. I don't know if you saw the quote either by uh, Kingsbury, but it was something along the lines of uh, Butler wanted to play at Texas Tech. And he mm. passed on him, didn't give him a scholarship, and he called him up and said uh, right before they drafted, I'm not making that mistake twice. That's We're going to awesome. have you in this. Yeah, so it's good stuff. I'm excited for what Butler can bring to the table, 6'5 mm. and 4'4", 840. It's going to be exciting yeah. stuff. Um, the position that most often has that impact in year one, for fantasy-wise at least, is most often running back. And at, right at the top of the draft, you said you know last week that Josh Jacobs was your number one guy. He lands in probably the most open backfield, and that's especially true with uh, Isaiah Crowell tearing his Achilles in practice today. Mm. Um, so at this point, there's really no one in his way. I mean, Jalen Richard can catch the ball a little bit in Oakland, but right now it's looking like Josh Jacobs, your number one back, is set for workhorse load. You said you thought he could handle it before. What's your expectations now in this la- uh, landing spot for him? Yeah, I didn't I didn't think that he would necessarily be thrust this much into it with no backup, but like mm-hmm. you said, man, I mean like 
this is now his backfield with no Crowell there. Uh, I think they they said they were bringing back Doug Martin, but you know how much you do you trust Doug Martin really? And so I've got to think that you know as you're drafting rookies early, he's not he's not a guy that you want to prioritize as much as say like Saquon Barkley you did last year or anything mm-hmm. like that. But yeah, getting running back in, in today's age when it comes to there's tons of running back by committees. There's all these kinds of split carries, split targets. You never know who's going to get what. Jacobs because he is such a good three down back mm-hmm. he makes sense as a guy that you prioritize high because they don't have to take this guy off the field now will they i'm not sure we'll have to see how much they really want to give this rookie a workload but in terms of like in theory how much could they give him sky's the limit this guy can mm-hmm. pass block he can pass um he can he can catch out of the backfield and of course we know what he can do when he has the ball in his hands when he's a true running back too so in theory, this guy can all play all three phases of running back, and so it looks like a pretty good draft. Absolutely, yeah. He's easily the top rookie, in my opinion, at least for redraft purposes right now. Uh, and yet, like you said, I mean, sky's the limit for touches. We'll see what they want to do with him, but I imagine they're not going to want to look dumb for trading away all those those players. I think they're going to ride their guy. We'll see. Uh, but after him, David Montgomery seems to be the next best back with a lot of opportunity. Uh, could potentially take a featured back style role under Matt Nagy. We've seen him ride three down horses before. Rode a bit of a committee last year, but that was probably a product of, you know, Jordan Howard can only run. Tree Cohen really is much more of a pass catcher. Now he gets a guy who he's already come out and said, this is a three down back. Do you mm-hmm. buy that? Uh, and these comparisons, a lot of them getting tossed out to Kareem Hunt, who he used to have as a rookie. You know, what's your opinion of Montgomery? How does he stack up to him? And do you like this fit with the Bears here? I love the fit with the Bears. I do. Uh, I'm weary of him referencing Montgomery as a three down back for fantasy purposes because certainly you hear that term and you're looking for fantasy advice. You go, oh, okay, this guy, like they're going to give this guy the ball all the time. He's going to be a workhorse. I don't totally believe that. Like, I think this guy, he's going to be their power guy. He's going to get goal line touches. I think he's going to get the touchdowns that you want. But Cohen is still going to be heavily involved in this offense. And so even if they might like David Montgomery in all three phases of the running back game, and even though I do think that he's going to serve some fantasy purposes because I think he is going to be their power guy, um, I just can't see... I can't see him being like this total three down back kind of a player. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I am with him. I think he has the ability to, but in terms of, hey, the coach saying we're going to use him all the time as like a workhorse role, that part I can't, I can't really believe. Sure, sure. And what kind of skill set, though, is he bringing to this team, would you say? I, I think that – so Montgomery is a guy who – I think he led college football in most forced missed tackles. And so, like, this is a guy who's mm-hmm. going to get you a decent amount of yards after the catch, um, yards after carries as well. So anytime he's in either of those games, you can always uh, count on him to get you some extra yards. He's a tough runner. He's a really physical runner. And that's why I think he plays a complementary role to what Tariq Cohen does. Yeah. So that's why I think that he's going to get on the field early. I just don't know if it's like to that extent where it's like, oh, we're playing this guy in all three phases because they already showed you what Tariq Cohen can do. I mean, he's an electrifying player, and everybody's always looking to hit the home run, so he's going to get plenty of touches as well. So that's kind of where I see his role and why I think that maybe short yardage stuff, goal line stuff, I think that Montgomery is going to get a crack at it just because he's so well at 
making guys miss and getting yards after contact, but I still think Terry Cohen's going to be the main guy in the receiving game. Absolutely. I, I agree with that too. I, I've seen some reports already saying they expect Cohen's carries to go down. They might split him out more wide too. So that could be interesting if both guys are on the field at the same time style offense. Mm-hmm. And Nagy's a creative guy. So I'm very right. intrigued to see. You know, they, they had very limited draft capital. They go and trade up to go get this guy. Clearly they must love him. And I'm very intrigued to see what carves out for David Montgomery. He's probably my second pick in a rookie draft after, of course, Josh Jacobs right now. Um, but after them, the last running back I kind of want to discuss, and maybe we'll see if you have any sleepers here, is Miles Sanders. He's actually the second guy that gets drafted, even though I might like Montgomery more. He was the second running back off the, the board for uh, Philadelphia. And on paper, I don't love the fantasy fit because Peterson's always been a big committee guy. Uh, they just trade for Jordan Howard, so what's his role as well? But should I be more excited? Why would the Eagles go and get this guy? Uh, and how do you see him being used here? Yeah, I actually really like Miles Sanders' fit in Philadelphia. Mm. I just don't know how many carries he's going to get. We're you, That's kind of like a wait-and-see game. So for everybody who's doing fantasy drafts early, you're really rolling the dice with Sanders just because I think, like you said, like you mentioned the running backs that are also in the room. Even though I think the Sanders is going to be a fit, they're, they're just going to be grabbing for carries at each other, and you never want any of that kind of situation. So unless Miles, which I could see this happening, I could see Miles really separating himself, say, in training camp, and he becomes the RB1, and he kind of takes things over because I think Sanders is a three-down back. He was my mm. RB2, and I thought he could do a lot uh, in the passing game as well, both with blocking and catching. So I think he makes sense for Philly, and I think Philly would be wise to use him. I just don't know how much that happens in year one with the other backs they have now so that's kind of a question where i like the fit i like his potential but there's not really a definitive right now of whether he's Mm going to necessarily live up to that just because of the other guys that are in the room absolutely yeah the one comment i did like uh their gm howie roseman says we haven't had a running back like this in years and and this is a guy that you know LaShawn mccoy and brian westbrook those are the only other two running backs they've taken in those you know high draft slots so when they had those guys they rode him to death We'll see. I'm hoping that's the case. As you said, your number two running back. The guy is a beast. So I'm hoping he gets that volume just as a fantasy owner, selfishly. But we'll see. Uh, And then the last running back, and this is more so for the veteran ahead of this guy, but the Rams also very limited, similar to Chicago in that sense, in draft day capital, yet they still trade up. They select that explosive RB from Memphis, Daryl Henderson, 70th Mm -hmm. overall pick. So is that a sign that we should be worried about Gurley, or what kind of role is he? Is it just insurance policy? Is he going to be more than that? What do you think? Well, man, I, I like the guy that they had on the roster already. I like John Kelly. I was a big John Kelly fan when mm. he was coming out a couple years ago, so or two years ago. So um, I was kind of bummed out when they drafted Henderson, just because if Gurley went down, it, that meant that John Kelly wasn't yeah. getting he wasn't going to get his shot. But certainly, I think that the Rams want to make sure that they have all the insurance that they need because you. And I'll say this: you don't replace Todd Gurley with one. One guy, right? I mean, like Henderson's not. It's not like this one and one. Oh, Gurley's gone. We'll just sub in this guy that we just drafted. And so, I just think that they're doing whatever they can to to make sure that they're ready. If Gurley's, if you know, if Gurley isn't ready, or if that knee is worse than we thought, or something like that. But even if that is the case, let's say that Gurley goes out of the picture. Sure, I think Henderson might be the starter, 
but I don't think he's getting like Gurley's lion's share of the carries, mm-hmm. right? I think they're going to start to split it between one or two, maybe even three guys there. So Henderson, I like what he can do. He's got good tape at Memphis, but making a jump from Memphis to the NFL is a tough one to make. I think Kareem Hunt, we all, we're all we all looking for that next Kareem Hunt, right? The guy who mm-hmm. went to the small school, who made the jump, who played right away, who was the full-time back. It just doesn't happen a lot. So yeah. Henderson's got a lot of speed. I like his upside there. But even if Gurley goes down, I'm thinking they're going to have him still in a rotation with some other guys. Gotcha. So out of those running backs, so we've talked about really the four big names that I wanted to get to, but is there any others that you thought landed in great spots or any other sleepers who could make some year one fantasy noise? The sleeper that I have on the top of my head, now things would have to work out in front of him, Mm -hmm. but if for some reason Benny Snell gets the reins in Pittsburgh, that's my guy. Like mm-hmm. if 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 James Conner even, you know, like tweaks his ankle in training camp, I'm picking up Benny Snell in like every league and I'm just going to wait on it because, you know, certainly James Conner's awesome and and I'm hoping that he has a he's healthy and has a phenomenal year. But if something were to happen to him, when I talk about a replacement guy, a guy coming in, I, Snell is such a stealer running back, and I think that they will go to him early and often to control games, and he will get them those tough yards. He will run determined, all that kinds of stuff. And so, man, if if for whatever reason he ends up getting the ball, he ends up getting the start whenever it is, Benny Snell would be a really good pick. Does he have the, the hands and everything too? Like they covet with the Bells and the Connors, how they pepper their their passing game with the running back too? I don't, I don't know if he's going to be that strong or that smooth in that area of his mm-hmm. game, but I don't think it's going to take away from the fantasy value that you would want out of him anyways. Like, yeah. that dude's still getting short yardage. He's getting goal lines. He's gotcha. going to be all of that for you. So that's kind of how I see it. Gotcha. Uh, we'll turn to the receivers. I do want to start with who your number one guy was. And to quote you, I asked if you were drinking the Kool-Aid on DK Metcalf. And your response was, not only am I drinking it, I'm dumping the cooler on my face, <laughs> which I absolutely <laughs> love that line. Uh, but clearly the NFL was less thirsty than you were because this guy falls all the way to the end of round two. It uh, lands in Seattle, which to me was probably the ideal fit, uh, yeah. in my opinion, all the way at 64. But what do you think? Why did he fall so far? And is, there, is he going to prove these teams wrong? And how do you think the fit is with Seattle? So I know why he fell so far. And it was because of the neck injury. He had a mm. pretty bad neck injury last year that out for most of the, the ending half of the year. And teams were worried about it because, I mean, come on, you know, DK Metcalf hurt his neck. And right when he hurt it, people were talking about his career might be over and all this kind of stuff. Now, glad that it's not. Certainly, I think everybody is. But anytime you have that kind of a scare, you know, teams retook a look at his neck and they're like, yeah, it's, I mean, you can play, but, you know, who knows in the future, all this kind of stuff. So that's why he fell. Yeah. But on the field, I mean, this guy's a monster. And in terms of the fit, you saying there couldn't have landed in a better spot i mean i agree with you especially if doug baldwin's future is as as bleak as kind of it was reported during draft Mm -hmm. weekend then this guy becomes a stud right i mean he becomes wide receiver one in seattle and you can you i mean can you just imagine dk metcalf running 30 40 yards down the field russell wilson scrambling to his right and trying to find somebody chucking it up there to a giant six foot three 230 pound monster in metcalf i mean who's stopping that nobody just get in his area and the dude's coming down with it so Mm -hmm. It's just uh, the, the possibilities of Metcalf and Wilson in the same offense are, who sky's the limit there. It, it's it it might it might take a little refinement. You might get those splash plays. So I'm not sure if 
you know, people like regularity in fantasy football, right? They like the calculated stuff, being able to be like, okay, I'm getting 11 points from this guy every mm-hmm. week. I don't know if Metcalf's ever going to be that guy, but holy cow, he could be a guy who, you know, drops off for 30 every now and then. So if you're looking for a boomer bust receiver that would you would take pre- preference over, I think DK Metcalf's got to be a guy, especially in that Seattle offense. I love that. That's the style of player I love to roll into, like, my flex, too, where, yeah, sure. maybe he disappears, but it's your flex, so you don't really care. But when he blows up, it just swings you that week. Yep. Uh, and, and I love it, too. Russell Wilson, I, every year, gets rated as, like, the number one or number two deep passer. And there's nothing this guy does better, DK, than just streaking down the field, going up and getting it. Yep. I mean, we saw Tyler Lockett had, what, nine, ten touchdowns, and this is, like, a five-nine, like, quick guy. He's got some great ball track skills don't get me wrong but dk metcalf is a whole different beast if those two can get on the same page so i'm thrilled he's he's one of my easily top rookies um coming in this year i couldn't be happier play action play action bomb style offense couldn't be better in in my opinion um but you know buzzier than him right now in terms of the fantasy community is Nikhil harry and it's kind of understandable especially in dynasty leagues landing with the Patriots, and you just got that New England vibe. You get to play with the GOAT mm. and Tom Brady. The team lost a ton of weaponry with Gronk and Chris Hogan and all these guys departing. Uh, so, And this is the first time Belichick's gone out and got a, a wide receiver in the first round ever since joining the Patriots. So why do you think he went out and saw Harry as his guy, and what do you think is, is his outlook this year? Well, you know that the Patriots also put in an offer for for OBJ and for Antonio mm-hmm. Brown. So, like this move, the receiver has been something that they've been trying to do. And so, I've got to think that Harry, as their choice, ultimately is going to get a big emphasis on the offense. They're going to give this guy every benefit of the doubt to be their number one player. You know, losing Gronk, it's hard to replace. Maybe even impossible to replace. But um, if Tom Brady gets that chemistry down with Nikhil Harry, especially you know, like you said, Chris Hogan and who knows what's happening with Josh Gordon. This is a guy who could get serious looks basically everywhere on the field. First Mm -hmm. and 10 short yardage, goal line, red zone, all this stuff. And so Harry's going to have absolutely every chance to be a monster fantasy player in year one. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, we haven't had a receiver. I'm a Patriots fan, so I'm a little biased, but we haven't had a receiver. I mean, Josh Gordon's somewhat similar, but in terms of the ball tracking and, and verticality, uh, mm-hmm. Since maybe Moss, but then you add in the the way this guy runs after the catch and the stuff he does that the Patriots love to do with guys like Edelman and stuff. I mean, I, I'm just thrilled about this fit between him and DK. I don't know which one I'd rather. Have. Do you have a preference between those two in fantasy if you were drafting today? I mean, if I'm drafting it today, I'm I'm taking Nikhil Harry just because of the consistency of what mm. Brady can do. But certainly, I mean, those are both fun guys to have on your roster. Absolutely. And my number three receiver right now, it's really close between these next two we're going to discuss, but the one I have right now, and especially in light of the Tyree Kill news, is McCole Hardman. Uh, it's very intriguing, the speed he brings to the Chiefs, playing alongside league MVP of last year, Pat Mahomes, maybe the best deep ball thrower we've seen in a real long time, maybe ever. The guy's arm is just insane. Uh, and now might have a very clear path to some serious uh, targets here in the most explosive offense in the league. So I love this fit but what do you think about Hardman going to the Chiefs certainly makes sense from a fit standpoint right I mean like from the scheme Kansas City's identity is is through their speed and they picked a pretty damn fast guy Mm -hmm. with that first pick as an insurance policy for what might happen for Hill um, I wouldn't pick him say, thinking that he's going to be Tyree Kill if Hill's right. not there. But certainly if, if you're dependent on what happens with this Tyree Kill situation, if you're doing drafts now, you better handcuff him, you know, because mm-hmm. this is the guy that's going to, in theory, play that Tyree Kill role. Because I don't know how much reshaping 
anything of the offense they're going to be able to do uh, relative to the success that they had last year. They're going to need that speed element. And I think, again, Hardman's a guy who, boy, if, if he took on that Tyreek Hill role, would certainly be his most prominent role that he has had in you know years. Uh, even when he was at Georgia, he was, he was a speed guy, but he was nothing – like the usage that we've seen the Chiefs do with Hill. And so uh, it gets it, it's interesting, but in terms of the skill set and the potential ability, it makes sense because they're kind of a one-on-one connection. Absolutely. Uh, and another explosive weapon, fast guy going to another explosive offense is Paris Campbell going over to the Colts. A great after-the-catch threat. Um, what do you think is he going to bring to this offense that's already pretty stacked, already did some great damage as Andrew Luck worked his way back? What do you think Paris Campbell's going to add here? Yeah, if you're in a PPR league, draft Paris Campbell, man, because this is, you know, people forget that they just look at the, the speed, the 40-yard dash time, and they go, oh, they, this guy's a deep threat receiver. No, he wasn't at all. Ohio State, he was the guy that they ran on on bubbles and, and quick wide receiver screens and slants and drag routes and things over the middle. They got this ball guy the ball in his hands fast, okay? That was his role. That's what's been missing for Indianapolis, okay? Mm-hmm. They have Ty, uh, T.Y. Hilton. He's still going to be the guy to go down the field. He's still going to be the emphasis player. But they've ne- when T.Y. has been going deep, they've never had the reliant guy who can also hit the home run underneath. Mm-hmm. Now they do. I think Paris Campbell is going to be a big benefactor over that, and I'd pick him pretty high in fantasy. Absolutely. And the last receiver I'd like to discuss is Debo Samuel, just going to an offense that's pretty devoid of weapons. I mean, Dante Pettis had some flashes there with the 49ers, but it's no clear-cut top guy there. Is he a player that could emerge as that, or what do you think is he's going to do in a pretty complex Kyle Shanahan scheme? Do you think sure. he's going to fit in pretty well? Yeah, I think that he's going to have the chance to, and I think that him and Pettis are going to be really interesting utilized pieces, and Debo's going to have every chance to have a lot of success. I thought the quarterback play was really what held him back at South Carolina, but I, you know, he was certainly picked where he was because they think his best days are ahead of him in terms of production-wise. So as long as Jimmy G is healthy, I think that you've got a chance to get a little bit of a difference maker in Debo Samuel, especially talking about how creative Kyle Shanahan likes to get with the, giving the guys the balls in their hands in the right situations. I think it's smart. I, uh, I think he could be a good pick as well. Absolutely. Then the only two tight ends I really want to talk about because usually year one, there's not a ton of rookie impacts, Mm -hmm. but this of all years could make a a real difference in that. Um, And that's both Iowa boys. We talked about both of them last time you were on, and now we know TJ Hawkinson's going to the Lions, Noah Fant's going to uh, the Broncos here. Those were the first two off the board, and and both teams have pretty vacant target shares here. Who do you think is going to have the better fantasy season, better overall season, uh, and what do you see of both of them coming in 2019? I think that if I had to bet on a fantasy season, I would bet that Noah Fant's going to have the better fantasy season. Just because there's a, a ton of different time kinds of options in the Lions' offense, uh, it's not just Hawkinson. Whereas on the flip side, I think that Denver's offense is going through certainly an identity change right now. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the quarterbacks that they have, Drew Locke and Joe Flacco ahead of them, those are guys who like to take deep chances down the field. But even more than that, I think vertically up the seam with the tight ends to the middle of the field is where they're going to try to attack. I mean, we, we saw, you know, Drew Locke comes in. We saw him and Albert O.K. over the last two years in Missouri kind of tear it up in that aspect. So you know that he's going to be wanting to target Fant early. Um, coming from the slot, it's going to be the same story when when Joe Flacco's in the game. And so I, I just think that, you know, Hawkinson got drafted earlier, and I think that they liked him better, certainly, that doesn't mean that he's going to be the better fantasy player year one. And I think that is because there's options there in Detroit 
unlike a lot of the options mm. that we're seeing in Denver. And so I, w- I would guess that Noah Fant's probably going to have the better fantasy year. Absolutely. So that that's pretty much all the big names I wanted to talk about. But you have one, maybe two more sleepers that you think landed in great spots that could be a sneaky, uh, like I said, sleeper for 2019 uh, if they get and they're just not getting any attention really right now. I think Josh Oliver from the tight end position, man. I thought we heard a lot of GMs talk about Oliver uh, and his potential. One guy was saying this is the easiest transition guy into the NFL. You could just see where he wins so often, and um, he's going to be a difference maker. I think he's going to be mm-hmm. a touchdown guy. So if you're if you're betting late in the draft, you're looking for guys to stash. If you got a deep roster. That tight end position, man, winning that tight end matchup is always so crucial. And if Oliver ends up getting into the mix of of getting some serious targets, I think that he's a guy who can really impact some fantasy teams. All righty. Any, any other last running back receivers, anybody that you want to throw out there as your biggest predictions for 2019? Oh, you did such a good job asking questions. I don't know if I have <laughs> Right, guys. I got I most of the plus, names, right? Plus, I can't give you too much, right, because my friends might be listening to this podcast and I don't want them to steal my guys. So. I know. That's the worst, right? <laughs> that's my only thing I don't like about doing this site is when everybody gets all <laughs> your guys from you. Um, already, man. Well, that was fantastic. Covered a ton of stuff there with you. Like I said, three times in two weeks. If you haven't heard the earlier ones, those are great interviews. And this was fantastic post-draft stuff. Trevor, thanks so much for joining us. Where can our listeners find you and connect? Yeah, at Tampa Bay Trey on Twitter, Tampa Bay, and then T-R-E at the end. That's the best way to find all my stuff. And writing over at the Draft Network, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, fantasy spin articles when the time comes with a lot of these rookies Mm -hmm. looking at their situations, trying to help people out in that area. And so uh, those two areas kind of where you can find all my stuff. But I appreciate it, man. I know I've been on a bunch, but like I said, enjoy talking with you. Absolutely. I, I, did I see that you already did a 2020 mock draft? Am I, I, am I wrong? <laughs> I, I am a madman and already did a 2020 mock draft. Yeah. I love it. That's absolutely psycho and fantastic. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Thanks again, Trevor. Really appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Alrighty, folks. That was again Trevor Sikama of The Draft Network and Pewter Report. Thanks again, Trevor, for all that time you've been giving us these last couple of weeks. Your insight has been invaluable, and I thought this was the best yet. So thanks again for coming on. That was a fantastic interview. If you liked what you heard and you haven't yet already smashed that subscribe button, please do. We want to pave that path to your 2019 title. We're going to just keep firing interview after interview, standalone episode after standalone episode. We're going to be here all off season to get you ready, to get you into wolf mode for fantasy. So let us know if you want to connect at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter, rotostreetjournal.com, Roto Street Journal on Instagram, Facebook, Roto ST Journal on Twitter. Find us everywhere. We'd love to interact on whatever your favorite channel is. We're going to get you that 2019 t- title, baby. Wolf Pack out. We used to have it all, but now's our curtain call. So hold for the applause. Oh, 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 oh. And wave out to the crowd And take our final bow Oh, it's our time to go But at least we stole the show 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 Old-fashioned football right there, folks.